Well, good morning, Springbrook. I want to welcome you to worship with us. If you're here in the room and you braved the snow, welcome to you. If you're worshiping with us from home, online, wherever the Lord has you this weekend, welcome to you as well. I want to remind you, if you are worshiping with us online, that we have prayer hosts who are standing by all throughout the service who are waiting and willing to spend time with you before the Lord in prayer or to answer any questions you might have about Springbrook, about the Bible, about what we are doing here and what we stand for here at Springbrook. So please take advantage of that. You can hit the button on the right-hand side that says Request Prayer anytime throughout the service, and you'll go into a one-on-one private chat with a prayer host who would love to spend that time with you. I also encourage you to engage in the service throughout whether we're singing or throughout the sermon in that chat, um, we want you to feel as connected as you can be to this community, even while you are worshiping from home. Well, I want to, again, just welcome you here this morning. Our call to worship for today comes from Psalm 143, starting in verse 8. It says, Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, For to you I lift up my soul. Deliver me from my enemies, O Lord. I have fled to you for refuge. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. This is the word of the Lord. And as we continue in our Presence of God series this morning, we are talking about the guiding presence of God. So let that be at the forefront of our hearts and our minds as we worship together this morning. Let's stand in worship. Your love goes on. 
73, 23 through 26. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? There is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. 
Every day, every hour, even every breath, we need you. Father God, we are helpless on our own. And left to our own devices and our own strength, we would never have found our way to you because we could not embody the perfection that you require. And so we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that in him, You see us as completely new, completely pure, completely holy and acceptable before you. Because of the blood of Christ, because of his death and his resurrection, we have access to the God of the universe, the lover of our souls. May we have appropriate reverence and awe for who you are, for your power and your might and your glory. And may we also feel your tenderness and your nearness and your love and your care for us. For each one, whether in this room or worshiping from home, Holy Spirit, will you minister now in this moment and throughout our time together this morning. Bring courage where it is needed. Bring conviction and challenge where it is needed. Bring comfort. Father, we love you. All of this is for you. And it's for your glory. In the perfect and matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And you may be seated. Hi, my name is Alan. Uh, I got introduced into the Christian faith when I was in the beginning of elementary school. Uh, I met this kid whose name was Dominic, and we became really, really good friends. Uh, His family was Christian, and obviously, you know, he was Christian, and I was uh, raised, like, Muslim by my parents, and they're still Muslim to this day, but 
his parents uh, introduced me into the faith and they kind of had me like their second child. I was like with them every single day. Um, and then sadly he moved away and I was kind of like on my own and uh, middle of middle school-ish, I started playing a lot of sports and my fault was that I thought that because I believed in God that I would like be amazing at everything I did if I prayed and you know spoiler alert I was not good at everything um and long story short I rejected God I didn't want anything to do with him because I knew that there was a God but I just didn't understand like why he didn't do stuff for me um like I said I had the complete wrong idea of it and during senior year I had met this girl uh, she goes to Springbrook her name is Arielle Samandel um I met her like in like one of the weirdest rarest chances ever and we ended up just talking I got to know her a little bit more and she I learned that she was a Christian she invited me to church she invited me to Springbrook and Matt and the youth group like welcomed me with like open arms like like I was totally a part of their family and it, it really it really helped and it made me feel like super like it like threw me back because I don't know I just never been treated that way by like like strangers that was four years ago and I've been coming to Springbrook kind of on and off um, but lately the past like two years I've been coming a lot I've been in the word a lot and you know I've been reading a lot and I've been seeing about the baptism and originally I didn't want to get baptized but uh, it just sort of came to me these last like three to four months like hey like you need to get baptized and it was I was feeling it like on the inside like something was telling me to do it we all know what it was um, I knew what it was and so I obeyed and I'm here to get baptized now amen well everyone um, I'm really excited for this moment and I have to tell you all um, I remember when Alan was a senior in high school, we actually sat down at a Starbucks and walked through the gospel together. And what I will never forget, um, Alan started coming to our youth group because of a girl. And uh, our whole conversation, I was kind of trying to talk him out. But I was like, don't do this because you like a girl. And there was a point where all of a sudden he got so passionate. He's like, I am not doing this for a girl. I believe in God. I want to know more. And it's one of my favorite, like Jess and I were talking when he texted me about getting baptized, and I was just like, I, I can remember the moment with him where he just, in our conversation, said, this isn't about her. This is about me, and it's such a cool moment, and so, Alan, it is such an honor to be able to do this for you, so, yeah. Well, Alan, do you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? I do. Do you believe he was fully God and fully man? I do. Do you believe he died on the cross and rose again? I do. Do you believe he ascended into heaven? I do. Have you made him Lord of your life? <laughs> um, well then, are you ready? Yes. All right, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So. <laughs> 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 wow.
Well, that's so exciting. You know, we love to celebrate baptism services here at Springbrook. And if you have any questions about baptism, uh, we would love the opportunity to talk with you. It's an opportunity for you to share your story about what God's doing in your life as you think about your relationship with Christ. Uh, you can go to our website, springbrook.org slash baptism. Uh, you can register for that if you have any questions. Uh, Pastor Matt or myself would love the opportunity um, to talk with you. So let us know your story. If you're interested in taking that step, we'd love to talk with you. If you have not filled out your online connection card, you can do that now as well. Up in the upper right-hand corner, you can click, uh, just click that connection card button. Uh, if you've got any questions about baptism or a faith commitment or about Springbrook, uh, it's an opportunity for you to engage with us. Let us know if you have any questions. It's also an opportunity for you to share any prayer requests that you might have. I know our online uh, prayer hosts are with you as well online, so you can uh, pray with them as well. So just uh, click that prayer request link if they can pray with you. But be sure to fill out that online connection card to let us know that you were here. I just also wanted to let you know that uh, we're collecting our uh, baby bottles. Uh, If you picked up a baby bottle, those are all due next week. Um, We have some out in the lobby today. Uh, If you want to pick one of those up, you can also go to our website, springbrook.org slash bottles, uh, and support uh, our baby bottle campaign. We have a partnership with Informed Choices. Uh, Informed Choices is a ministry that comes alongside of ladies and men at a time uh, where they're making crucial decisions about what to do with their pregnancy. And so it's a privilege for us to be able to support that ministry. And so if you're interested in supporting that effort, um, you can do that on our website or you can stop by and pick up one of those bottles. But if you do have a bottle, be sure and bring it back uh, by next Sunday. And then I wanted to let you know we have our annual meeting every year at Springbrook. We have an annual meeting celebration. It's an opportunity for us to reflect back on the past year is celebrate uh, what we're anticipating God doing as we move into the new year. And so if uh, you're a regular attender here at Springbrook, everyone is invited um, to join our annual meeting. And so that's going to be on Sunday, February 22nd. Uh, If you're not able to join us in person, we will have an option for you to be able to watch that online. If you are a member, you want to make sure to pick up your annual meeting packet. Um, Next Sunday, those will be available. You'll be able to download those from our website as well. Um, Anyone can pick up an annual meeting report. And so uh, we want to make sure that if you have any questions about our finances or about our ministries or anything pertaining to Springbrook, you can pick one of those up. Uh, Our members will have an opportunity to to affirm uh, several business decisions that we're going to need to make as we move into the new year. Uh, But be sure to mark your calendar now for our annual meeting on on February 21st. If you haven't downloaded our app yet, that's a great time for you to do that as well. Everything related to Springbrook uh, you can find on our app. And so you can just simply text uh, 77977, text the word Springbrook app, and it will show up right on your cell phone. And uh, if you want to just automate your giving, you can also text 77977, just text the word Springbrook, and you'll be able to give uh, to the work of the ministry as well. I want to thank you for the way that you've financially supported this ministry. Last year, as we move into this year, we're looking forward to all that God has for us. And uh, we're so grateful that you are here with us this morning as we continue our series, uh, The Presence of God. Pastor Tim's going to come out now. And I'm looking forward to uh, what, uh, his message this morning. And, uh, but thanks again for being with us. Thanks, Tim. Well, good morning. It's good to be able to open God's Word together with you again this morning. But uh, as we get ready to do that, uh, many of us, uh, those who came here in person this morning, uh, got up this morning, even though we knew it was in the forecast, we had to find ourselves shoveling our driveway to to get out. And uh, maybe that wasn't on your agenda at the beginning of the week when you were looking towards this Sunday. Uh, It certainly wasn't on mine. It seems, however, like the last few Sundays we have been dealing with snow. And so as I've been getting up and getting ready for church, it's hard to uh, uh, get ready and and, uh, make sure that the driveway is uh, is clear at the same time. In fact, some of us are planners, and so we really don't like it when things 
put a wrench in our plans. Uh, when our plans are changed, whether that be the weather, whether that be uh, somebody else coming along and uh, uh, expecting something of us, we can find ourselves getting frustrated with that. Some of us are planners to the extent that we know exactly what we're going to do this afternoon, but not only this afternoon, we've already got our calendar finalized for this coming week. Maybe you even already know what you're going to have for dinner every day this week. Uh, Maybe as you look further ahead, you have your calendar for the year pretty much laid out. In fact, that's been one of the challenges over this past year, hasn't it? Because even for those of us who are planners, we found that we've not been able to plan because things have been so uncertain, things have been so changeable, things have been so unsure. Stuff has happened that has thrown our plans off course. And then, of course, there are others who are not planners at all, and they love to be spontaneous all the time. And in fact, those, those are the people who sometimes can drive those of us who are planners crazy because they're like, oh, don't worry about it. We'll just, we'll just figure it out. What do you mean we'll figure it out? I'm asking you what we're going to do five minutes from now. We ought to have a plan by now. There are different sorts of people. But whether we're planners or whether we're more spontaneous, we all love to have a sense that we are moving in the right direction. We all want to know that we are where we're supposed to be at the time that we're supposed to be there. And especially for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, one of the great things that we desire, one of our heart's desires, is to know that we are following the Lord wherever He leads. As a pastor, I cannot tell you the number of conversations that I've had with people where they've said, I just want to know what the Lord would have me do. In days that are often unexpected and filled with uncertainty, it's encouraging to remember God's faithfulness whenever we prepare to embark on something new. And the good news is that that God still graciously directs the path of those who come into his presence to daily seek him. God still directs our paths today. But, But I want to take a little bit of time this morning to go to a rather obscure passage in the Old Testament book of Numbers. And and as we go there together this morning, we are going to, I believe, be tremendously encouraged by the way in which God led the people of Israel, how he gave them his guiding presence. And while that guiding presence looks very different for us today than it did back then, the wonder is that he still graciously directs the path of those who will daily seek him. The book of Numbers in the Old Testament is part of what we sometimes refer to as the Pentateuch or the first five books of the Bible uh, written under the inspiration of the Spirit of God by, by Moses. And to be honest, a lot of us probably don't spend a great deal of time in the book of Numbers. It's called Numbers uh, um, probably because uh, it, it is bookended at the beginning and at the end with two censuses. 
at the beginning of the book of Numbers, we find an account of the number of the tribes and of the peoples who were led out of the captivity in Egypt. And so we've got these long lists of numbers of people belonging to the various different clans and tribes. And then through the book of Numbers, as it progresses, uh, we kind of come to this point in the middle of the book where God has led them to the promised land, where Moses has sent a couple of spies, Joshua and Caleb and, and some others, into the promised land. And they've come back and they've given a report. And only Joshua and Caleb were courageous and saying, this is a beautiful land that the Lord has given. Let's go and take it. All of the other spies came back and they said, whoa, the people there are so big. They're so scary. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. And such fear was in the heart of the people of Israel that they refused to obey God. And instead of going into the promised land, God disciplined them by causing them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years until that entire generation passed away. And then we get to the end of the book of Numbers and we see the second census, but this is of uh, those of the new generation being counted before they prepare now finally to go into the promised land. So the book of Numbers is a, a fascinating book. It is, of course, uh, God's word. It is inspired. It is relevant to us, but it's not always the easiest to read. And throughout the book, we see a lot of disobedience. But this morning, we're going to look at one of those rare occasions in the book of Numbers where we see obedience. And so if you've got a Bible with you, I want to invite you to join me in Numbers chapter 9. Numbers chapter 9, we're going to look together beginning in verse 15, and even as you're turning there to Numbers 9, beginning in verse 15, uh, this is at a point where the tabernacle, that is the tent of meeting, the physical, visible dwelling place of God amongst his people, has been finished. It's prepared according to the instructions that God gave to Moses. And more than that, the people have just celebrated the Passover festival for the first time after having come out of Egypt. So they've been out now for about two years. Uh, they're there in the Sinai Peninsula, and we read these words beginning in Numbers 9, verse 15. On the day that the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of testimony, and at evening it was over the tabernacle like the appearance of fire until morning. So it was always. The cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. And whenever the cloud lifted from over the tent, after that, the people of Israel set out. And in the place where the cloud settled down, there the people of Israel camped. At the command of the Lord, the people of Israel set out. And at the command of the Lord, they camped. As long as the cloud rested over the tabernacle, they remained in the camp. Even when the cloud continued over the tabernacle for many days, the people of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not set out. Sometimes the cloud was a few days over the tabernacle, and according to the command of the Lord, they remained in camp. Then according to the command of the Lord, they set out. And sometimes the cloud remained from evening until morning, and when the cloud lifted in the morning, they set out. Or if it continued for a day and a night, when the cloud lifted... They set out, whether it was two days or a month or a longer time that the cloud continued over the tabernacle abiding there, 
the people of Israel remained in camp and did not set out. But when it lifted, they set out. At the command of the Lord, they camped. And at the command of the Lord, they set out. They kept the charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord by Moses. Wow. Seems kind of repetitive. But, you know, that's intentional. It's intentional because there, in this repetition, there is a stress on the gracious and the, the sovereign direction of God toward his people. Now, it's interesting because we've got this, uh, we've got this picture here of, of what was happening. So you've got all of the people of Israel. Uh, we think there were around about two million of them at this time out in the wilderness. And they had, if you like, a huge tent city. They were camped by their tribes and by their clans in a arranged way with the tabernacle, the tent of meeting in the center of the community. And we see this idea that the presence of the Lord was manifest with them in this pillar of cloud by day, in this pillar of fire by night. In fact, uh, we've actually seen, if we had uh, taken the journey all the way through the book of Exodus, we would have seen this uh, uh, cloud and this fire pillar over and over again. From the moment that, that God brought his people, Israel, out of captivity in Egypt, where they'd been slaves for uh, over 400 years, he brought them out in power. He had sent these plagues on the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh finally had said, okay, you can leave. Get out of here. And they went. But then Pharaoh changed his mind, and he took uh, all of his uh, Egyptian army and went in pursuit of Israel. And in, in Exodus chapter 13, uh, we see that, that the people of Israel are cut off. They're on the edge of the Red Sea. They can't pass because of the water. And now the armies of Egypt that have pursued them encircle them all around, and they are stuck. But God does something amazing. And in Exodus chapter 13, we see, And the Lord went before them, by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they may travel by day and by night. And the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. So first of all, it was a continuous presence that the Lord gave to his people. Then in Exodus chapter 14, we see then the angel of God who was going before the host of Israel moved and he went behind them and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night long. And so God, the presence of God manifested, described here as the angel of God, in this pillar of cloud comes and he blocks off the Egyptians so they cannot attack the Israelites. And if we were to read further in that passage, we see how God then separates the water of the Red Sea so that Israel can pass through. And when they have passed through, then the cloud moves back in front of the people of Israel to lead them. And when it does, the Egyptians try to cross the sea and the water is brought over them and they are destroyed. But we see here this guiding presence of God that is with them constantly and continuously. And likewise, in Exodus chapter 33, we see when Moses entered the tent 
Uh, so this is later on with the, with the tabernacle. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all of the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And so this pillar of cloud, this pillar of fire is not only the, the, the presence of the Lord. It's not just a, 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 a big uh, stack of, of, of cloud or the, a great pillar of fire, but it is the presence of the Lord himself. It is a guiding presence. It is a protecting presence. It is a intimate presence. We see here face to face, they would talk. And so we come here again to our passage in Numbers chapter 9, which seems so repetitive, but I love what we see here because we, sh- we see that God's presence was with his people constantly to guide his people continually. His presence with, was with them constantly to guide them continually. You can actually imagine the scene if you really think about it. Here we've got this great multitude of the people of Israel as they're there. And every single morning, imagine this. Every single morning, everybody out of the whole congregation of Israel would go to the flap of their tent, to the door of their tent, and they would look. And they would look to see, is today the day that we break camp and move on? Or is today the day that we stay where we are? And day after day, they would look to the presence of the Lord. They would gaze to this pillar of fire, this pillar of cloud, to gain direction from the Lord. And we're told here that sometimes the pillar would descend and and, and it would remain in place for one day. And then the next day, it would move on. And so everybody would pack up and they would move on. Sometimes it would stay for two days. Sometimes it would stay for a week. Sometimes for a month. Sometimes for a year or more. God did not post his travel itinerary in advance. But he gave his people his guiding presence to lead them. Each day and perhaps each moment of each day, they had to keep on looking to him to know when and where and how to go. And God faithfully led them. Now, uh, imagine this. I mean, you, you go to bed at night and you're, you're lying there before you go to sleep. And it's like, oh, I really need to do some laundry tomorrow. If the Lord allows Uh, You get up in the morning and you're like, okay, what have I got to do today? Well, I need to run this errand and I need to do this and I need to, if the Lord allows. And what God was doing with his people through these years in the wilderness was that he was teaching them and training them to keep on looking to him, to gaze upon him him. One of the things that they had to learn was that everything in life is a spiritual matter. 
everything in life is a spiritual matter. Uh, when we are looking to God for direction, it, it's not just a matter of, oh, oh, God, who should I marry? Or what job should I have? Or, or what state should I live in? Some of us were thinking about that while we were shoveling snow this morning. I, I don't think that it's up in the north that you would have me live, Lord. Somewhere warm would be wonderful where there's no snow. Well, we tend to think of those big decisions, don't we? But, you know, the Christian life is about moment by moment, step by step, daily looking to the Lord in everything. Because there is not this kind of secular element of our lives and then this sacred element of our lives where we have to look to God for the sacred things, for the big things, for the massive things, for the life-altering things. But then the other stuff, he kind of leaves us on our own for. No, we have a God who, just like with the people of Israel, moment by moment, day by day, constantly and faithfully guides his people as they look to him. You know, I read this passage, and maybe like you, there are times in my life where I think, oh, I sure wish that I had like a pillar of fire or a pillar of cloud that was leading me. It's like, Lord, what should I do? Well, just follow the cloud. Wouldn't that be great? You remember in the movie Frozen, you got Olaf, the little snowman. At the end of the first movie, uh, um, uh, so that he doesn't melt, uh, he's given this, uh, this, this snow cloud, which just kind of hovers around his head wherever he goes. It's always snowing. And some of us, some of us would love that. It's like, God, would you give me my own private pillar of fire, my own private pillar of cloud, so that I would know? Oh, over here, yeah, I'll go over here. Over here, yep, I'll go over here. Wouldn't that be great? But you know, we have something that the people of Israel didn't have. We don't have that pillar to guide us, but we have the presence of God with us and in us. We have the Holy Spirit, who is our guiding presence. But you know, that means that we have to be conscious of his presence. We have to take time to slow down. We have to willingly yield ourselves and offer ourselves up to God. There is a sense in which, just like we see here in Numbers chapter 9, that the Christian life is all about daily showing up in the presence of God and looking to him. It's a matter of daily saying, Lord, I have these ideas of what I was thinking about today, but, but I'm looking to you because I know that you are a God who faithfully guides and leads those who come into your presence and seek you. We often talk about things like uh, a Bible reading plan. And I hope that as we're here, unbelievably, already through the first month of, Jan uh, of the year, uh, that, that you are guarding time on a regular basis to seek the Lord in his word, to seek the Lord in prayer. Uh, these are not just uh, nice things for the Christian life. They, they, they allow us again to stop and to slow down, to enter, in a sense, into the presence of God to remind ourselves of the greatness of who he is, and to seek him to say, my life, God, I yield to you. I want to live in conformity to your word. 
I want to follow your presence. I want to follow your lead. We need to seek to make communion and communication with God a a constant discipline throughout our day. You know, sometimes we struggle with this idea of God's guiding presence. Because there are times where we feel like God's got more important things to do. Um, We feel like we are maybe looking for direction in something and we don't know what to do and we get frustrated and we feel like, I just don't feel like God is answering me or I don't feel like he's giving me what I want him to give me. And we can be tempted in those moments to accuse God of not following through. Oftentimes, we have an agenda that we are asking God to bless rather than one that we are placing at his feet and saying, Lord, I submit myself to you and I will do what you would have me do. I will go where you would have me go and I will stay and be rooted and be steadfast when you would have me stay be rooted and be steadfast. I found that when God's will has been revealed in my life, it has more often been the result of simply daily walking by faith. I've learned that God's will is not about an itinerary. It's about an attitude. You're not going to wake up every morning and God given you a list of things that you're supposed to do today. He's not going to give you a, a list of people that you're supposed to go and visit. But rather, what you're going to find is that as you begin every day with an attitude that says, Lord, my life belongs to you, and I dedicate myself once again to your service, then you're going to find that the Christian life is really about going to the door of your tent and gazing into his presence and following his lead. You know, in my own life, there are times where I look back sometimes and I kind of try to replay or recount the journey that the Lord has brought me on. You know, they say hindsight is twenty twenty. I don't think we're going to be using that phrase too much anymore because everyone wants to forget twenty twenty. But hindsight gives clarity, right? It's amazing as I look back on my life at different times in the midst of things where I didn't necessarily feel like I had a, a, a burning bush moment or a pillar of fire moment from God. But instead, I daily, gradually, step by step, moment by moment, trusted him, sought him for that day and did what he had for me for that day, how he used that to guide me in the journey that he has had me on. The places that he's led me, the doors that he's opened to me, the way in which he has prepared me through things that I thought were routine and mundane that I can now look back and say, oh, God, you were doing something amazing in that. If that hadn't happened, I probably wouldn't be where I am right now. 
God still graciously directs the path of those who come into his presence and daily seek him. But how do we do that? There's a sense in which for the people of Israel back then, that was a whole lot easier, right? Go to the door of your tent and there's this huge pillar of fire. Kind of gets your attention. But how do we do that today? F.B. Meyer was a Baptist pastor back at the end of the uh, 19th century, actually a friend of D.L. Moody. And um, he once said, when we want to know God's will, there are three things that always occur. The inward impulse, the word of God, and the trend of circumstances. God in the heart, impelling you forward. God in his book, corroborating whatever he says in the heart. And God in circumstances, indicating his will. Never move until all these things agree. I think there's a lot of wisdom in what he's talking about there, but we do have to be on guard even with this. Uh, Yet, what does he mean by this? Well, the first thing he talks about is the idea of the inward impulse. And really, that's talking about two aspects of the working of God in the life of a believer. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then God has set his Holy Spirit upon you. And so there are times where we experience the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes that prompting is very clear and very evident. We just have this overwhelming burden for something. We have this overwhelming sense of, I need to do this. I can't really explain it, but I feel like if I don't do this, I'll be being disobedient to God. There are times in which the Spirit of God prompts and leads us. But what we have to do is we have to come with an attitude still of submitting ourselves to God and seeking him. Lord, what would you have me do? Lord, help me to know what it is today to walk by your spirit, to be sensitive to your prompting in my life. And one of the ways in which we often experience that is we're seeking God's guiding presence is in that, that peace of God that he gives to us. That there's a peace that we should step out in something. Sometimes there's a, a, something that, that should be frightening. Something that should be overwhelming. But there's this sense of, I feel that God is calling me to do this. And I cannot understand it. But I, I have this peace that passes all understanding. Now, there are also some times where we are setting out to do something. We're, we're ready to, to take a step in that direction, and we have no peace over that. And that equally can be the prompting of the Holy Spirit. But while we talk about the inward impulse, which is very real, and we need to be sensitive to God's guiding presence, His Spirit at work in our lives, that always must be in subordination to the second one, which is the Word of God. We always must confirm the inward impulse by weighing it against the revealed truth of God's word. God will never call his people to do something that is inconsistent with the scriptures. I cannot tell you the number of times that I've had conversations with people. And it's like, well, I just feel like this would make me happy. And God wants me to be happy. Therefore, I should, I, I, I should divorce my wife. Therefore, I should, I should go and do this. Therefore, I should cheat on my taxes. It's unbelievable the things that will, people will come up with in the name of God. And it's like, that cannot be the case. Because God will never, ever tell you to do something that is inconsistent with his word. 
Be careful that you do not deceive yourself. And how do we keep from being deceived? We spend time seeking his word. We ought to be so saturated with this that the second that a lie pops into our mind, we are able to wage war against it because we know the truth. Take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. We always need to confirm the inward impulse by weighing it against the revealed word of God. The spirit, as I've said, will never prompt you to do something that is inconsistent with Scripture. So we need to acknowledge that inward impulse. We need to seek God. We need to be sensitive to his prompting. But we always, always must check it against the word. One of the ways which we can do that, maybe you think, well, I don't really know the Bible that well. That's okay. That's why having some godly counselors around you, that's why reaching out to one of the pastors here is wise. If you're in a situation, you're like, I think that this is what God is calling me to do, but I don't really know for sure. It's a wonderful thing in your small group or here in the context of the church to be able to connect and ask somebody to pray with you and to seek their counsel too, to take you back to the scriptures. Likewise, we need to be aware of the fact that uh, God will always guide us in a way that brings glory to Jesus, greater dependence on him and conformity to his likeness. So just, uh, just because something may look frightening, just because it may look hard, just because it may demand something of you, does not mean it is not God's will. We have this false notion that God will always lead us to the comfortable, easy place. That is so inconsistent with what we find in Scripture. In fact, if we had to stereotype, if we had to come up with a, a principle from the pages of Scripture about the way that God leads us, He almost always leads us on the challenging, difficult path, which will cause us to depend on Him. We love to quote Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and it's a wonderful promise of Scripture. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. You know how God makes the path straight? By walking with you on the path. By guiding you on the path. The path doesn't always look straight when we take that first step. But we need to step out in dependence on him. So if you're seeking God's will, if you're moving in his guiding presence, recognize that God will always lead you in a way that brings glory to Jesus and greater dependence on him and conformity to his likeness. Don't shrink back when God is calling you to step forward, even if it's costly. And then there was the third aspect from Myers, quote, he talks about the trend of circumstance. Again, this needs to be subordinate always to God's word. But God often guides through both open doors and closed doors. You've probably heard Christians at different times praying, Lord, would you open this door? God is a God who opens doors that, so that no one can shut them. And he is a God who shuts doors so that no one can open. And he, he leads and he guides in both ways. He leads as much through the doors that he closes as he does through the doors that he opens. Do not spend an inordinate amount of time banging on a door that God has closed because you will exhaust yourself, you will frustrate yourself. Maybe he will open that door later on, but if the door is closed, 
and there is no there is no movement, even though you may seek him for direction in that, there is no movement, then maybe it's just not the time yet. God directs his people. If you hear nothing else this morning, know this. We have a faithful and gracious God who delights to welcome us into his presence and who calls us to gaze on him, knowing that when we do so, he is faithful to lead. God will never leave you without direction. May not always be the direction that you're hoping for. But thanks be to God. He knows the best possible way to the best possible destination. And while we often are occupied with so many other things, He is leading us on what may seem to be a circuitous route. he's doing it because he is conforming us to the likeness of Christ. And just like the people in the wilderness for all those years, he is teaching us to keep looking to him. Wouldn't it be great if God gave each, each of us a roadmap and says, okay, here, here's where you're headed. Here's what I have for your life. Here's all of the different things and here's how I'm going to. The problem would be if he gave us all of that. We wouldn't look to him. We wouldn't keep going back to him for guidance. We wouldn't keep seeking that intimacy of relationship with him. Instead, God graciously directs the path of those who come into his presence and daily seek him. Oh, that in my life, I would learn to better lay down my plans and first look to him. Oftentimes, God is at work in my planning process. But let us not be those who come before God saying, okay, God, here's the master plan. Would you bless it? But instead that we would be those who daily get up and say, Lord, I'm reporting for duty. You are the Lord. You have the right to lead me wherever you choose. And I trust you. I know that your ways are good. So even if I don't see the big picture today, I will follow you each day. Thank you for your guiding presence. That's kind of the heart that we are to have. This passage in Numbers 9 concludes by saying, At the command of the Lord they camped, and at the command of the Lord they set out. They kept the charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord. I don't know where we each are today. There are some of us who need to set out. 
we know that God has been prompting us to get into gear, to step out in obedience, to maybe step out in something that right now looks kind of intimidating, looks kind of scary, but we have a clear sense from God that this is what he would have us do. It's consistent with his word. We've maybe sought counsel on it. We're just, for some reason, holding back. When we have that inward impulse, the prompting of the Spirit of God, when we uh, see it in the pages of Scripture and it is, in, it is consistent with His Word, and when that door is opened, that circumstance is aligned, when those three things are together, do not delay. So if God is calling you to take a step of obedience, a radical step of faith, quit waiting. Time to move. And maybe you feel a little bit like I do sometimes, and you are chomping at the bit, and you're like, I feel trapped. I want to get out of it. Lord, what's next? What's next? What's next? Show me, show me, show me, show me. Maybe, maybe to you, maybe to you, he's saying, Time to camp where you are. I'm not done with you where you are yet. So keep faithfully serving me here and now, even as you wait on me, because I will direct you when it's time to move, and I will direct you when it's time to camp. Because God still graciously directs and guides those who will come into his presence and daily seek him. May that be true of our lives. Would you pray with me? Oh, Lord, that you would guide us with clarity and that we might learn to better discern your guiding presence. We thank you that you are a faithful God, that you delight to make yourself known to us, your people. Lord, I pray that this day for those who are seeking you and needing wisdom, wherever they find themselves, whether it be in the large things or the small and seemingly mundane things, Lord, I pray that you would meet with them, that you would shepherd them with your presence and guide them with your mighty right hand. Forgive us for not turning to you more often. Forgive us for often trying to seek our own direction. Would you help us to tune into the prompting of your spirit more keenly so that we can each stay on course. And Lord, for any who may be watching or listening today who do not yet know what it is to have a relationship with you through Jesus Christ, I pray that you would so draw them to yourself, even today, that they would indeed discover that the Lord Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. Lord, we yield ourselves to you. We yield our plans to you. All that we are and all that we have, help us to keep on daily, going back to the door of our tent, 
and fixing our eyes on your amazing presence that we might follow wherever you lead. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. It is good to know that we have such a faithful God. We thank you for being with us once again this morning. If you're watching online, I'd like to encourage you to exit full screen modes, which will allow you more easily to interact with our online hosts. But again, whether you're here in person or at home, we certainly thank you for taking this time to be with us. We look forward to being with you again next week. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with each one of you to lead you, to guide you, to sustain you, and to empower you for the glory of His name.